This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 253. And the quote of the day is, ask yourself what is really important, and then have the wisdom and courage to build your life around your answer. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey yo, what's happening? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And before we get into it, I want to thank Mr. Jeff Ziegler. Jeff left a really nice review on iTunes and actually used his name so I could thank him on the podcast because if you use sort of an alias or something like that, like SoCal Chris left a, a review and I appreciate it, and Rick O, but uh, Jeff left his full name so I could I could call him out and say thank you. So if you have left a rating or a review, thank you very much. Uh, like I said, you know, there's J-Town Drummers on there and Drummer DR, but I don't know if, you know, I don't know people's names if they don't write their names. So Jeff, thank you very much and thank you to everybody else who has left ratings or reviews on iTunes. And if you haven't already and you dig the podcast, please do me a favor. Just head over to iTunes and find Drummers Resource and you can leave a rating or review. It takes about a minute and I would greatly appreciate it. That's all I got to say about that. So let's get into, this is a new new type of session that I want to do. And this is a listener spotlight. So this stemmed from a lot of people suggesting that I talk to some of the listeners of the podcast, uh, some of the, some of the ground level working pros, as they say. And uh, I think that one, I think that that's a great idea because it's easy to, uh, you know, as someone who's playing all these stadiums and things like that, it's easy, easy to say, oh, yeah, you just have to do this and this and this. But it's a different perspective with somebody like Jeremy, who we have today, who, you know, has a family and he's not touring all the time, but he's definitely on the road a lot. He's doing sessions and he's making it all work. And he may not be, you know, this big, well-known household name, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, the, the dude is a successful professional drummer and I think that you know that I've been very vocal about trying to change what the narrative is of of being a professional drummer and being a successful drummer so this is a listener spotlight on Jeremy Schreifels to to sort of talk about that and this is the first one I've ever done so I'd really like to get your feedback again people have mentioned it I've talked about it on social a lot and Everybody thinks that this is such a great idea, and I do as well. So I'm going to get your feedback, though. So after this, I would love to hear your feedback. Let Jeremy know what you thought of it. Let me know what you think about it. And I plan on featuring more listeners. And if there, if you are a listener and you want to get featured, let me know. Or if you are you are a listener and you think that I should feature another listener, also let me know. So maybe it's just not about you, but maybe it's about someone who you think I should have on the show. I'm always open to suggestions and would love to hear from you guys, the listeners. So without further ado, let's get into it with my... Oh, before I before we get into this with Jeremy, I just want to say that Jeremy and I met through the podcast and have since become good buddies through... I stayed when we stayed together at NAMM and, you know, hung in LA and all sorts of stuff. So uh, a really cool relationship has formed out of just meeting him through the podcast. But before the podcast... We did not know each other, and hopefully some of you inside of the community now know each other because of the podcast. So I would definitely like to get more interaction from everyone in the audience, in you know, in that in the drummers resource community to sort of reach out to one another and get to know each other. So, okay, now I'm done rambling. Let's get into it with my man, Jeremy Schreifels. 
Jeremy, what's up, my man? How are you? I am fantastic, Nick. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good, man. Lots lots going on on my end, and, and I know that there's a lot of things going on on your end. There's always a lot of stuff going on. Uh, this is really cool. This is So this is the first time I'm ever doing one of these sort of listener spotlights. Uh, so you and I actually met through the podcast and uh, have since become buddies and got to hang in NAM or yeah, at NAM. I almost said PASIC. Um, got to room together at NAM, so we got to know each other a lot better. And that was actually the first time we ever met in person. Yes. Um, but we got to hang around California and have since become buddies. So I thought that you would be the perfect guy for for the first ever uh, Drummer's Resource listener spotlight. So what this is going to be is every once in a while, I'll grab one of the listeners and bring them on and talk about their journey as whether it be a professional drummer or a semi-professional or, you know, someone who has a unique story or just, you know, getting the community to learn more about other people who are in the drummer's resource community or in the drummer community as a whole. Um, so it's great to have you as the first person to do it. So welcome. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm surely honored to be the first one. That's it's been, it's been a journey to get here. I would sort of speak. Yeah. It's crazy. Like looking back, you know, you can't connect the dots, you know, moving forward, but looking back, it's like, it's cool how everything, how we became friends and, you know, how we were sort of, you did some consulting with me and then, you know, we just became buddies from there and hang. And it's kind of the, the, the story of how relationships start genuine relationships. And it's, you know, less of a transactional relationship and more of like a, Hey, I just want to like, you know, I just, we'll just become friends and build this relationship over time. Absolutely. It's just, it's, I love how just, it's grown so organically mm-hmm. and just naturally. And it didn't need to be, like you said, transactional, like something that just grew out of us, a chance meeting. Right. I think it's, you know, I think it's a, a testament of character too, for, for both of us of saying like, you know, you're not like, Hey, I want to be friends with you. I want to connect with you because you know, I can probably get something out of you and vice versa. It's sort of like, you know, one, one thinks one thing leads to another, which is cool. Absolutely. So let's talk, uh, you know, as a listener and as all the other listeners know that I like to build context, I like to build a little bit of backstory. And I know that, you know, this last seven to nine years, you've been just playing music professionally, um, which may sound like a long time, but there's a whole other road that that it takes to get there. So I want to go down that road with the with the with you and with the listeners. But before that, let's just talk about a little bit about your backstory, like how you got into playing, you know, location where you're at, uh, all of those sorts of things. Well, I started and still live here in the Minneapolis and kind of surrounding suburb areas um, and grew up like most drummers starting in elementary school band, working up through junior high and high school. High school, I really made kind of my switch from do I want to be a sports person or, or a music person and definitely chose the, chose the music route. So did the marching band thing and play with orchestra and uh, theater productions, jazz band, all those kind of every musical thing I could get involved with in the high school realm, um, which really led me to wanting to then go to school more full time as a performance major, uh, which I did start out my first two years of college at St. Cloud State here in St. Cloud, Minnesota, in terms of starting as a performance major. And then due to a very unforeseen injury, um, one due to 
a semi-technique flaw, which I later found out, which is interesting, and also a car accident, which stopped me from playing for about seven to ten years. Oh, really? switched me to a theory comp major in music, which is what I actually ended up finishing my college degree out in. So what so, was what was so it was part partial was it the accident first then the technique issues allowed you to or prohibited you from recovering or was it sort of a combination um, of the two? I think it was a combination of the two. Um, I actually physically still have two tears, one on the top of my left wrist and one on the side of my left wrist. Um, the surgeons weren't actually able to fix it; they just kind of rounded them both out. Um, so as of two years into my college career, I literally thought I was done playing drums forever. Really? Cause I thought I couldn't even hold a can of pop without. What, so what was the, what was the deal with your technique? Um, I played a ton of marimba and ton of four mallet marimba stuff and spent, you know, I did the college thing. You were in the practice room six to eight hours every day. I was there, um, man. And so what I found out after going back and watching video was just, um, one slight rotation um, where I had my hand kind of sitting weird and just the repetitive motion of that over and over times six hours, times six days, times a few years. Yeah. It's just it's compounded. repetitive, repetitive stress injury. Right. And I, you know, it's also what I tell my students, you know, drumming is about the worst thing you can do to your wrist because of all the small bones and muscles. However, there are safe ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned a lot through that. And, uh, about seven years later, um, prior to that had not really played drum set at all. Kind of was introduced to drum set in, um, like a contemporary worship sort of setting. And through that found out that it was about the only percussion thing that I could do without pain, which started out with about 20 minutes a week. And once I found that out, I kind of dove head over heels in and really tried to rebuild my muscles and rebuild technique and really just focus on drum set and nothing else. Um, and Which is crazy because that, that seems like the most impact heavy thing. Right. Um, so I spent about seven to eight years really just going from literally two minutes a day was all I could handle. Um, and built up that muscle and built up that endurance and built up just really slow and really intentional because I did not want that injury again. And through that was able to build it up so that I can practice a semi-normal practice. And by normal, I mean, maybe 45 minutes to an hour every day. Um, mind you, this was on top of the fact that I was working full time in the corporate world, um, and supporting a family, which I have a wife and two wonderful children. And we chose kind of that path in our life. And so fast forward a few more years, um, I met a very wonderful teacher who has since kind of transformed my plane and as a mutual friend of ours, Daniel Glass. Um, and since working with him for just a few short years, I literally can play about four to six hours a day, plus playing on the weekends pretty regularly and no pain. Um, hmm. and I really am beyond thankful and blessed for that time and still kind of go back to those moments of teaching yeah. and really, you know, continue to go back with that. I know you've worked with Daniel, so you have a yeah, little bit of experience of, of what I'm talking about. And so I really count that as kind of was the launching point of really taking 
my drumming from a semi-intermediate level to kind of where it is today. Two things that I think that it's worth noting is one, yeah, Daniel is the guy uh, in terms of technique and he, you know, he studied with, with Freddie Gruber and, and then sort of developed his own teaching style from the studies that he got from Freddie Gruber. And one of the things that I like about him, about, about Daniel is that he takes every single piece of, of your stroke and breaks it down and you work on each one individually. It's sort of the, the, uh, the who somebody went to work with Jackie Chan and they were working on, you know, the first move and they're going through it. And then they go and he says, when are we going to move to the, like, when can we move to the second move? Like, I want to move on to the next move. And, or he said, when can we move on to the next move? We've been working on move one for so long. And he said, if you didn't realize that we're already on move two, you're not ready to move on. Absolutely. You know, and it was like, and it's such, it's like, you know, and Daniel, I think talks about a lot, like the sort of wax on wax off, like Mr. Miyagi kind of like, you know, it's such a, it's such a tedious process, but the, those fundamentals and, and really narrowing down each individual motion and isolating everyone. When you come out the other side, it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, so one, so these are the two points I want to make. I'm rambling, but one, Daniel, uh, I think if anybody out there is really looking for someone to to break down their technique and really refine it, Daniel's the guy. And also, I just had John Lamb on the podcast, uh, who wrote the Anatomy of Drumming, and he talks about technique, talks about injury, injury prevention, which I think ties into this conversation too. Absolutely. Uh, that they can and anyone listening can check it out. It's at drummersresource.com forward slash session two forty seven. And and that's a great interview talking about, you know, not only how to prevent injury, but how to, you know, work on your posture and all these things. Cause I dude, you have no idea how many emails I get about injury. Well, I'm sure of it. About back and wrist and neck and and to be honest, I don't know the answer. I just do what works for me and I don't have pain and I don't necessarily know how to walk someone down the line of saying, okay, here's the things that you need to do to make sure, you know, you're not in pain too. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it comes down to, it's that patience piece of wanting to, you have to go back to the beginning. Um, and I, I really think of the teachings of what I've learned from Daniel since then, I really think of them as like a a period of osmosis like it just shows up in your plane which is really just it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that you work in the practice room and then go i'm gonna go put this on the gig it's i'm gonna just keep working this in the practice room and all of a sudden it just shows up on the gig and you're like all of a sudden you're playing more relaxed and things are not hard and you know he refers to things about like dancing on the drums and mm-hmm. i've always thought of my drums because I came from the classical world and as a composer, think of the drum set like an orchestra. And so I think of it more of a texture timbre sort of situation rather than just a drums in a beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that we as drummers, because I think this in, in the things that I've seen is that we work things out in the practice room and then we try to force them into our playing rather than naturally letting them occur in our playing. Yeah, I'm actually seeing that it's kind of a theme, not just as drummers, but as musicians, guitar players and bass players. It's, they go and work out the licks in the practice room, and then they think they can just throw them into the into the gig. And I 
tend to look at it as in I'm going to practice it so much in the practice room that it just happens on the gig. It's not something I'm going to consciously put in. Right. Uh, typically, <laughs> the style of music that I'm playing, uh, the things I'm going to practice in the practice room may not necessarily fit into the style of music. Right. Um, however, they will definitely heavily influence what I'm going to put musically into those grooves, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think is the more important part. Yeah. There was, <laughs> that reminds me of my professor in college. He always used to call them CGLs, chick getting licks. Mm -hmm. And he's like, don't break out your CGLs on the gig. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. No. Uh, so one, I want to talk about um, a little bit more about this injury and more so of of going through the process of fixing it because I want to talk about the, the patience that's required to do so and how you sort of dealt with it. Cause that's frustrating. Even the exercises with Daniel, I mean, they're, they're so easy or let yes. me, let me rephrase that. They're so <laughs> simple. They're hard and they're, but they're extremely difficult to do, you know? Yeah. And so talk about the patience uh, and how you dealt with, you know, the frustration of only being, being able to play two minutes a day and then going through, you know, Daniel's intense, uh, intense routines. Right. Uh, one of the big things that I turned to Nick at that point in time, um, was, and something I'm sure you can appreciate was I really turned to, um, self-development mm -hmm. and just, and I did a lot of reading. I read a really amazing book. One of my favorite books called the slight edge. Mm -hmm. um, the author's name is Jeff Olson. And it just, it, it really just talks about, you know, a grain of sand every day towards that positive. I played two minutes today. I didn't play yesterday. So here's two minutes today. Here's two minutes today. Oh, here's three minutes today. Oh, and I still survived. So I'm still good. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, it was more of a, you know, a mental journey of really trying to go along that. And and I think a lot of support from the people who are around me to say, you know, yeah, this is a long road, but at the end of the road, it's going to be great. And the beauty is, is I'm still going down the road. Right. We're always going down the road. Um, right. I think if we stop learning, we stop living. And I think that we need to just continue to do that. But, you know, it became more of a mental game for me. Um, and I try to, I tend to live in that world anyway, because I like to kind of just be on the forefront of what I'm doing all the time, thinking wise. And so surrounding myself with the right kind of people and books and of that nature to mm -hmm. just kind of keep filling my head with that positivity at that time was the best thing that I could do. And then I just really had a good support system. Yeah. The, it reminds me that I'm reading through Effortless Mastery again. Uh, I've read that book. I don't know, three times, four times, and now I'm reading it again. I'm sure you've read that. Yep, I've been through it twice already. Yeah. So for everyone listening, Effortless Mastery by Kenny Werner, probably the best book written for the musician in terms of just getting out of your own way and, and really learning how to just let the music flow through you. Um, but he talks about, you know, early, he met, I forget the guy's name, but he met a guy that said, okay, I need you to practice this exercise five minutes a day. And that's all you're allowed to practice every single day. And he said, five minutes, like I need to be practicing hours a day. And he did this thing for five minutes for a couple of weeks and went to play and was just astonished at how well he played on that gig for numerous reasons. One, it was just the constant, you know, every day in, day out of just putting that 
putting that time in. And we, I've fallen victim to this too, as I'm sure you have, where we say, well, if I can't practice for three hours, there's no point in practicing. Right. You know, and it's like, you can do five minutes a day. You're going to make way more progress in five minutes a day than three hours every three weeks. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I try to touch a pair of sticks every day and sometimes that's two minutes and sometimes it's 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I always try to reach about 10 minutes because worst case scenario, that gives me a chance to do my favorite exercise, which is the throw up exercise mm-hmm. and a little Freddie free little for nine minutes that can change your day Yeah, for a whole lot of reasons. Yeah. The throw up exercise is a, is a Daniel glass. It's not throwing up, but it's a, it's a, right. it's a exercise that Daniel has. And then Freddie Freeloader is a tune that he just has you play along with. Uh, just, you know, what's he, is he playing quarter notes on it? Just the quarter notes, yeah. just keeping pulse and time, and yep. uh, I still do it. Yes, yeah. I, I do it with Freddie Freeloader and Hard Work. Yes, both great tunes to do yeah. that too. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's the uh, the Jerry Seinfeld thing. Did you ever hear that about him? Where he when he early in his career, he just wrote a joke a day, right. every single day, and then you get to this point where you don't want to break the streak, right? And Absolutely. so you're like, man, I've, you know, he, he said he, he was, he said, oh, I've written a book or I've written a joke, you know, for the last 75 days. Now I can't break the streak. When then they asked him about it. He said, that's absolutely ridiculous. I didn't invent putting X's on a calendar. Right. <laughs> he's like, I just, but I don't know why he's the guy who became famous about it, but he's like, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's always been there. take a quick pause for the cause and we'll be right back with Jeremy. You know, it's easy for us as drummers to hit a ceiling when it comes to our progress. And the cure for that is to receive expert critique and advice from stellar faculty. And a place where you can find stellar faculty is at MI Musicians Institute in Hollywood, California. MI boasts over 20 working LA drummers, including Gordon Campbell, Kenny Aronoff, Ryan Brown, Blair Sinta, Brendan Buckley, and Jason Sutter, just to name a few. You can learn more and enroll at mi.edu. Musicians Institute, instrumental in life. Hey, what are you going to do with all those cracked, broken cymbals that you have sitting in the corner of your studio? Here's an idea. Trade them in for a new dream cymbal or gong. Now, you can take all your cymbals, bring them in, and for each inch of cymbal that you bring in, you're going to get a dollar off towards your next dream cymbal or gong. Bring in two ride cymbals that are 20 inches each, get $40 off your next dream cymbal or gong. And that's going to go a long way because they're priced well below everyone else's prices. But the main thing is they sound great. And I want to let you hear them. So here is a sample of some dream cymbals. Be sure to check out Dream and all their great products at DreamSymbols.com. Now let's get back into it with my man, Jeremy Schreifels. So let's talk about the, the, the journey of you getting out of the corporate world and getting into playing full time, because I know that there's a lot of people listening who want to do that. And they say, well, I can't because I have kids, I have a house, you know, I'm married, all of those things, which you have. 
all right. of those. Yes. And and without and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but like you're not playing, you know, at this in stadiums across the country and there's just like tons of money flowing in and all that. It's like you're you know, you're you're grinding and you're hustling and you're making it work really well. Uh, so I'd like to talk about that. Right. Uh, it's probably my favorite part of the story. Um, I really found that I got to a point in my corporate career that it was kind of just going nowhere. And I just would, felt a little bit unhappy and I was kind of doing the weekend warrior thing as much as I could. Mm-hmm. What were you and, doing as your full-time gig? Uh, I was in retail management okay. at Office Depot. Okay. It's fantastic. Great people, great company. Uh, it just, it wasn't going anywhere for me and I was just kind of finding, I was a little bit unhappy. Mm-hmm. And then once I kind of stepped into the plane a little bit more regularly and by regularly, I just mean a couple times a month, mm-hmm. um, I was able to like say, okay, well, I'm going to go after this full time. Um, and so I built it up to where I was doing 40 hours a week there and 20 to 30 to 40 hours a week doing music. Um, and that was compiling of teaching private lessons. Um, I'm also a composer and arranger. So I do a lot of arranging in the marching world. Um, so that was able to subsidize what I do plus the playing side of things on a weekend basis and really just took that to heart and really went for it until such a time that I was able to let go of the full-time job and let the full-time music take over. And ever since then, it's just been really being persistent and consistent about what I do all the time. And honestly, you know, your podcast, Nick has been a, one of the big proponents of continuing that for me, because even a lot of the feedback and you're interviewing some of the greatest drummers in the world and some of their simple advice of you, you just got to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I operate under it. As long as I don't quit, I win. Right. And that has grown into me having maybe 10 jobs as a musician to just a few jobs as a musician, just because it can, it's just continues to grow every year. And I treat it like a business and every year is a kind of plan, do review and repeat, right? You know, what are the things that I can weed out that I don't need? What are the things that I can bring in that are new and exp- and in- inspiring to me? Um, some of the more recent things have been, I've really gotten into songwriting. So I've kind of done the Jerry Seinfeld thing. I try to write a song line or lyric every day because mm-hmm. I knew that's how I built my practicing for my drumming. Yeah. So now I can put those two in tandem. I like, I, I like, would you say if I don't quit, I win? Yes. That's awesome. I love that quote. That's a really good quote. Um, so let's, let's rewind a little bit. Well, first of all, I want to touch on a couple things. One, congratulations. And I, I applaud you for, for making that jump because it's, it's easy to, to make that happen when you're 18 and just sort of never go into the corporate world or never go get a full-time gig and all that. And just not that it's easy, but it's harder to get once you're in, you know, is what Tom Bill, calls sort of the matrix once you're right. in it to get out of it. So right. I applaud you for that. And 
now we've talked about this so many times on the podcast you have to have multiple irons on the fire in the fire so when you say oh, i have nine jobs as a drummer that's sort of par for the course now that's just what has to be done that's what's required and you know the 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 idea of reviewing your business at the end of the year it's not sexy but it's a business and you have to run it that way because economics are a factor when you have a family and housing and you know you want to live right absolutely um but let's talk about the plan sort of the pre-plan before you made the jump was there okay i'm gonna get x amount of dollars in the bank i'm going to you know how did how did that whole thing work i wish it was that easy um i think my wife and i actually we we sort of took a leap of faith Mm -hmm. um and kind of every step of the way has kind of been built a lot on that uh for which i'm thankful for and we just said if we're passionate about what we're doing both in our careers, it will just, it will grow and things will happen as they need to happen. And, you know, my family's never gone without Mm -hmm. my kids have everything that they need. They go to a wonderful school. We have a wonderful roof over our heads. Um, and you know, I, they look at it in terms of they're super supportive of what I do. And sometimes I get a lot of, well, you're not home, you know, you know, my schedule is I'm home Sunday through Thursday. And so Sunday through Thursday, I'm kind of a full-time dad and business owner, which is fantastic mm-hmm. because I get to be a full-time dad. And then my work week is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My work week is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. So it, when you put it in terms like that, it's like, it's pretty amazing and super awesome mm-hmm. to be able to have that opportunity. And to be able to continue to do it and continue to grow in a manner that still makes sense for us as a family. Right. Which is, which has always come first. Mm-hmm. Of and course. It has to, right? Absolutely. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. When you made this jump, I'm sure you were saying, okay, there may, there's going to have to be some sacrifices. I may not be able to, we, we, you know, we may not be able to go out to eat as many times as we normally do, or we, you know, we may not, we may have to hold off on a vacation for a year or something like that to say, I'm building a business here. I'm building a career and there's, there's going to have to be other sacrifices involved in order for me to make this work or in order for us to make this work as, as a unit, as a family, as a, as parents. Yeah, I think it took us, uh, I think my kids were like five and three the first time we went on a family vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just every few years, but you know, we do that as a family, save for it and go for it. Right. And then it becomes a learning process for my kids. And I couldn't think of a better way to show kids how your passion can really lead where you're headed. Mm-hmm. And if, as long as you keep doing what you love to do, all those other things are going to work out. Right. And I know you're I know you're a big Gary Vee guy. And one of the things that that he talks about is his his family, like people say, oh, you work all the time. And he said, yeah, but when I'm home, I'm home. Yep. And I'm not in my man cave drinking beer, watching TV. I'm spending time with my family. And I think that that you're sort of echoing the same thing that, you know, when you're home, you're home, you're present, you're not, you know, you're not in the other room, not paying attention to your kids. You're actively involved in what's going on. And, you know, if cumulatively, you're probably spending more time with your kids and being present with your family than a lot of people that are working nine to five jobs. I would actually hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and the, and not only more quantity, but certainly quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I know that I try to make a conscious effort to make a mental change. Like I'll, I'm done with work for today. Right. And now I'm just doing family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a, which is a great feeling because then I don't have to worry about work the rest of the evening or the afternoon or yep. they're on spring break next week. So I can just take a day and we're going to go do something fun and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I can just do that. And I think that, you know, me enough to know that like, I'm, I'm pretty much a workaholic, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I work a lot, but when, you know, when my wife and I go out to dinner, we leave our phones at home. Yeah. You know, when we're spending time together, we're spending time together. Like tr- I'm, I'm, I make a very conscious effort to be present and be there when I'm there. So sort of all in when I'm there and you know, all in on business when I'm all in on business. And I, it's hard because I wasn't that way before. And she made me very aware of it. Right. Uh, we, we all have to go through that growing process. Right. <laughs> because I, I'm, I just, I'm so passionate about what I do that I want to, and I'm sure I know that you're the same way, just, you know, from the many conversations that you and I have had to where, you know, work is not work to us. It's fun. Right. Uh, like for instance, last week I would think I was gone five out of seven days. And I know that three out of those days, you know, those, they were like 22 hour days mm-hmm. and it's just all work. And then when I came home, I could just be home. Right. After those five days. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in, all in on, on what you're working on rather than being half, you know, half in on this thing and half in on this thing and half on, on this thing. It's like, I'm all in on family when I'm all in on family. Absolutely. And I'm all in on business when I'm all in on business. So what about the people who, who want to take to, who want to make that jump? I'm sure that everyone's heard my, you know, my story and my, uh, my advice for doing that, but I want to get some different perspective about it because, uh, you had to make that leap. And so you, I'm sure that you have some interesting perspective on it. I think you really just got to look at it from a, what do you really want? And a little bit, what are you willing to give up in the beginning to get that? Because uh, I think up front, you you know, there's certainly some sacrifices, and I chose the way of because I was supporting a family and a mortgage and uh, you know, kids and school tuition. Like I couldn't not have an income, and so it meant working for about a year and a half of like eighty or ninety hour weeks because I had to work them both full time enough to make that switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't. It certainly, if I was single and living in a couple bedroom apartment with some buddies, I probably would have jumped ship right away and just gone for it. Right. Um, and my advice to those people is go for it, uh, especially if you're young. I didn't do it until I was after 30. Yeah. So, it's, and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And I, I think that thinking that you're not going to have to sacrifice things is going to set you up for failure. Absolutely. You know, thinking that, that you can, I, I like to say that you can do everything and you can have everything. You just can't do it and have it all at once. Absolutely. You know, so there's gotta, there's gotta be some, some push and pull there. So talk about some new stuff that you have going on. What, what projects are you working on now? I know that you're playing with Mitch Gordon. I know that you're, you're doing your own uh, songwriting and you're doing your own arranging and things like that. So what, what's sort of on the, uh, on the, on the burner now and what are some things that you're looking forward to in the future? Well, 
you just this kind of hit at a perfect time because I just completed kind of a bunch of projects and some new stuff into the works. Um, I just finished a few new arrangements for some summer high school stuff coming up. Um, last week, I just finished up some recording in the studio for some songs that I actually wrote with a friend. Um, and we're super excited that's going to be releasing here in a couple weeks. Um, I am working with Mitch Gordon and we are working furiously to finish up the last couple of pre-production things on a new uh, record that we're releasing here in a couple months. And so it's a really busy time in the creative world, so to speak, along with still continuing to, you know, kind of constantly be creating new, creating new content, creating new music. Um, the other one thing that I have kind of going is I work with a, uh, kind of a funk trio quartet uh, that I created just because I wanted to get together with buddies and play that style of music and work on improvisation. So we created a group and we've really kind of made it a mission to kind of create a dream team rhythm section that could back up a singer or somebody that doesn't have a band we, that we could just be available as an option for them to have. And we've chose to do it kind of in the contemporary Christian world, mm -hmm. which is you know, there's a real big need for to have a strong band behind somebody who just feels called to do that type of music. And so we filled that need. And so we're putting on a concert this spring with a singer that was really interested in doing some music. And we said, sure, we'd love to just back you up. Cool. It's like a plug and play rhythm section. Exactly. You know, but we also have been doing our own writing and we're really into the improvisational thing and about musical conversation. So kind of bringing jazz and funk together into that world, which is a really awesome journey and adventure, so to speak. Nice. So I'm interested before, before we hang up, I'm interested to know what your daily routine looks like. Reason being it's different. I think you are on a different, uh, a different schedule than say someone like, you know, Brian Fraser Moore or Rich Redman or somebody like that. Who's, who's constant, who are sort of on this cyclical tour. Um, right. And, and not home a lot. You have a lot of home time and a lot of downtime and then sort of traveling like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the most part. Uh, so I'm interested to, to see what your day looks like. Uh, well, I'm up at six o'clock every morning, every day. Um, I usually start my day with some reading and some writing. And usually I wait for my exercise kind of later in the day. Um, otherwise it's, I get kids off to school and then I go right to work in my studio. And that's, um, whether it's working on, you know, I schedule a chunk of time to do kind of my business stuff for my music. Um, I'm also part of a marketing company. So I spend a chunk of my day on that as well, just doing some consulting work. And then I usually pick up my kids from school every day, which is fantastic. And nice. then I'm home for the evening. And that's usually when I can get in my exercise time or, and then I try to usually use my afternoon time right before I'm going to do that for my practice time. If I'm going to get it in for that day. Right. Right. How many days, how many days a week are you practicing? Five. Five. For sure. Nice. Yeah. And I try to, some of it, most of it's practice, but like, I always like to practice by learning new tunes. So mm -hmm. I'm just always researching and learning new tunes and kind of creating my own catalog of the tunes that I know. It's a good charting practice when I'm trying to learn how to be a better songwriter. It's a great opportunity to learn 
what other people are doing and that works and doesn't work mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. Sure. Things I like and don't like at all songs work because everybody's doing them. Um, I think that's the beautiful part about music is it's up to the artist to decide whether it's good or not. Mm-hmm. And the public. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's only if you want to do arena tours, I guess. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, Jeremy, I want to, first of all, I want to, I want to thank you for being part of the podcast. Second of all, I want to applaud you for the things that you've done in the journey that you've gone on to, to make sort of your passion and your dreams a reality. And third, most importantly, I want to thank you for, uh, for being a supporter of the podcast and becoming my friend, not just someone who listens to the podcast and not just someone who supports it, but, but a genuine friend that I now have in this industry. And it's a real honor to, to call you a friend and a colleague, my man. Oh man, the honor's mine, man. I, you know, I'm not even kidding you two years ago. This was a dream to be even just be on the podcast. And to me, it's more important that I gained a friend along the way. Um, and now the friend that's going to have a really nice view on the West coast. <laughs> and you're welcome. Anytime, anytime you want to come out, man, we will be there and, uh, we shall have some wine. I know you're a wine guy, so, yes. uh, we'll have, we can have some wine we'll have some views and then maybe we'll go hang out with David Garibaldi cause he lives in the same town. So. Well, that would also be fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Jeremy, thank you again, man. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep the hustle. Keep grinding. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. So there you have it. The first listener spotlight is in the books. Again, I would love to hear your feedback. You can hit me on social. You can email me, nick at drummersresource.com. Let me know what you think of this segment. I'm going to be doing more of these and, you know, probably a couple times a month. And I really think it's a cool way to introduce the community to each other and just get to know each other a lot better. So, again, would love to hear your feedback. And for all the links to everything that we talked about, you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 253. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.